And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. Every single day I come in here, I think about winning. You know, I don't do this year round to come in and not make the playoffs. I'm sick of that shit, and uh, I want to keep winning. You're listening to the State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen. The Raiders are 2-3 and three after picking up the Monday night football win over the Green Bay Packers. Their first time beating the Packers since, uh, definitely since Deshaun was alive. Ted, were you alive in 1987 the last time uh, the Raiders beat the Packers? No, I was born two years after that. So the first time in the lives of Deshaun Reed and Ted Wynn that the Raiders beat the Packers. And, uh, You're not going to ask me? I know, I, I know for you, and I know you and me were alive. I was... Come on, man. I'm young. I was a little preschooler running around then, but I, I was alive for it. I, I don't remember watching it. Give us your memories of that game back in 1987, Nick. 1987. Uh, was I in high school? Yeah. No, no memories. No memories. So that would have been the, the L.A. Raiders against the Packers. Um, the Raiders got it done. Uh, a really good game by their defense. We can talk about how bad the, the Packers' offense looks. And, but, I mean, I think the, the Raiders finally were able to force those turnovers like we saw throughout training camp, getting the three interceptions. Um, Amik Robinson making a, a hell of a play there to get that interception in the end zone. Obviously, the two interceptions by Robert Spillane. We'll get into how bad the offense is looking right now but uh but first let's give some flowers to the defense max crosby defensive player of the week in the afc and uh probably a good chance for them to keep the momentum going when they play the patriots this week but uh it was nice to see the defense deliver like they did on monday night the secondary in particular you know i was really impressed by them because i mean they didn't have two starters i mean cornerback jacorian bennett and nickelback nate Hobbs were both out and you know i know the packers didn't have aaron jones but Still not a group that you would expect to, to perform too well just on paper. And then, I mean, they had Jordan Love in hell for most of that game. And it wasn't even like the pass rush was going crazy. And like you said, Max Prosby was, you know, defensive player of the week. But I mean, their, their pressure rate was about about average in that game. And so Jordan Love had some time to throw. He just didn't have anywhere to go with the ball. And so I was really impressed with the the, the, the secondary. But, but just the defense as a whole, it seemed like every time that the Raiders needed a big play, they came up, came up big, whether it was a turnover or forcing the punt or... Um, just coming up with a stop. And so and I think that's, that's definitely, you know, the best defensive performance I can remember from them since probably my first year covering the team. I think that Broncos game where, you know, the immortal Drew Locke gave them like 50 points. But um, but yeah, I mean, definitely the best performance of the year before. Yeah, there were some standout performances, obviously, from Crosby. I thought Koontz was really good, too. Had a few key pressures there. I thought both linebackers were good. Obviously, Spillane had the two interceptions. Diablo was flying all over the field. You could really see his speed and, and athleticism. 
And um, I thought Trayvon Morig had another good game. I thought he had the best game of his career last week, and um, he followed up with another strong performance this week. Um, it could have looked a lot different if Love was able to get some of those deep balls thrown, but I, I thought he still had pretty good coverage on Watson on a couple of those deep shots. So, yeah, I mean, it it looks like this defense could be better than average. And, um, you know, that's that's pretty good. But obviously this defense, I mean, this offense is uh, kind of lagging and falling behind expectations. Yeah, I hope that game shows you, you know, the value of, of Aaron Jones. I think of Aaron Jones, he was supposed to play. It was last-minute scratch. I think if he plays, it's probably a different result. But um, I, I you know, always impressed and amazed by Max Crosby. Just um, nonstop motor. He plays everywhere up and down the line. He kind of uh, leads by example. Definitely his team plays. Uh, they try and play as hard as he does. I think that definitely is um, he's a very positive guy, very supportive of his teammates, always kind of pushing them forward. So I think that's been clear last couple of weeks just the effort they've given and uh you know he's um he's pretty he's just an um, impressive guy in terms of uh his work ethic his talent level his uh, leadership just a guy who's kind of uh taking this defense on his back and um he's the reason why they're they're two and three really so um yeah it was an impressive uh, game by the defense for sure Big's not going to let the Aaron Jones news go by that that he blames that for uh for costing him a, a, ten, a 10 and 4 weekends picks I tried to amend it my, on social media before the game. I'm like, yeah, my, my pick has changed. It's official. He's not playing. I'm, I'm on the Raiders, but uh, nobody cares about that. But I mean, again, I agree. I agree. The defense has gotten better. I think they've uh, explained the two picks, and I think Merrick has played better this year. But you know, I don't know if this 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 offense they went against is a true indicator of uh, uh, they really are taking a step forward and are going to be. Uh, Legit all year long, so I have to wait and see. And again, I have another, you know, this next weekend against the Patriots, also a terrible offense. So you, know, you only can play who you play. So they got to take advantage of these situations and get these wins against these teams that are not very good. Yeah, but I think it's, I, I'll give them a little bit more. Like outside of the Bills game, that's probably the only game where they just got, you know, destroyed. But like even in the Chargers game, I mean, you know, they had two fumbles in their own territory, you know, interception and, um, you know, they didn't give up too many points in that game. So I think it's been a couple weeks uh, where their defense has been trending up since that Bills game. Like, they still haven't – I'm not saying they're a great unit or whatever. I think they're, like, 20th in scoring. But 20th for the Raiders is, is an improvement over, you know, what they recently put out there. So, you know, like like you said, like, they aren't going against the world beaters, and they definitely aren't this week, and we'll talk about it later. But I definitely give them, give them a decent amount of credit for, for the performance recently. Yeah, I think they're middle of the pack. And we've been saying forever, if the Raiders get kind of a middle of the pack defense, they can be good with um, how good their offense has been in the you know the last you know five years or so. I think, you know, if you average out the last five years of offense, they are going to be like one of the um, maybe a fringe top 10 unit. But they haven't had that type of defense. And now they finally have one, but their offense is uh, lagging far behind. I think Patrick Graham did a nice job as far as confusing Jordan Love in that game. I thought, it, and I'll give him credit for that, but I'm not ready to say they're middle of the pack defense yet. So maybe I'm being negative, but um, I have to see more against teams that are not uh, not just bad offensively. But uh, it's a long season, and all you can do, like I said, you can only play who you play. So uh, definitely was a nice win for them on, on Monday. They are 14th in uh, yards allowed per game. And then what did we say? 20th in scoring. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they're. Uh... At this point, they are uh, they are about middle of the pack, 14th in yards allowed per game, so uh, pretty much middle of the pack there. But again, it, it's it's early five games in, and I mean we're we're going to see that ranking probably go up against this this week against the, the Patriots. But before we get to that, I mean we do have to talk about this offense. 
five games into the season and they have still yet to crack 20 points. Uh, what 18 is their season high, I believe. Uh, only the, the fifth team that's done that. They're the only one of those five teams that have done that that has actually won any games. Uh, the other the other four were all Owen, uh, we're all Owen five, and uh, remarkably, two of the teams that have done it. Vic, who, who called plays for two of the teams that have done it? Uh, Josh McDaniels, yeah, also the 2011 Rams. So uh, that team was was hot trash. They had, they had no talent in that roster, so I can't blame Josh too much for that one. But uh, but this one, obviously, you know, you got Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, and even Jimmy G. So it's just more talent here than uh, you shouldn't be scoring you know, 16 points a game. So. Uh, they, they know it. I, I think you can see the frustration on some of these guys you know, you know, in their eyes when they talk. So um, ideally, at some point, they break through. The O-line gets a little better. They can run the ball a little better. And um, at least last week, we saw them sort of spread the ball out a little more. We saw Michael Mayer become involved early on. I thought he played well. I think um, I, mean, I talked to him yesterday, and he mentioned how getting involved early gets his confidence going, helps him improve. He, you know, that's probably his best game blocking also. So I think it just gets his... Gets his juices going. I think that's a key thing for him going forward is get him involved early and kind of uh, ride that uh, physicality and the confidence that he has for as, as a young guy. Yeah, according to Devontae Adams, he doesn't give a shit about all that spreading the ball around. No, he does not. <laughs> yeah, not scoring any fucking points. I, I guess I get it, but yeah, it was kind of a weird game for Devontae. I mean, going into the third quarter, I believe, you know, he had one target the whole game. And obviously, you know, he gets double teamed every week and whatnot, but. You know, he's talked about it a lot. Like, that's not really an excuse to to stop going to him. This offense just kind of looks like, I don't, I don't know if broken is the word, but kind of. just I don't know what the solution is. Like, with the offensive line, clearly they don't have confidence in their ability to run the ball. I know they had a little bit more success in the second half, but just the situational, like, after they had that interception and got down to the seven-yard line, you know, they had a negative run on the first play and then threw it on the, on the next two plays. It just They don't seem to have much faith in the run game, like obviously for good reason. Um, teams are loading the box against them, so they're bringing more people than they can block because they don't respect, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's ab- ability to push the ball down the field. Garoppolo isn't going to suddenly become a deep ball thrower, so I don't, I don't see that part of it changing. He keeps giving the ball away. I mean, he's, you know, I believe leading the league in interceptions right now. It's like, I don't really, uh, unless they suddenly figure out this offensive line, like, I'm not sure what the answer is in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm sure it'll be better than 15 points per game at some point dur- during the season. But in terms of being one of the better units in the league, like uh, I feel like it all starts with those big guys up front. Yeah, I mean, Devontae clearly, I think, is um, frustrated. I think, you know, four targets against his former team. If you are going to force him to you know, ball, this is the way to do it. And you want to have a bigger game against his former team on national TV. So, obviously, winning, getting the wins, the most important thing. But I think this week, he would have liked more of, a, of an effort to get him the ball this, this past week. Jimmy G is not the guy that's going to force the ball into a double team or he's not going to stay with you if he sees a double team. And, you know, we've been talking about this in just uh, the preseason. You know, if you're drafting and you want to draft Devontae Adams high, don't do it because Jimmy G's is quarterback. He's not going to throw deep and he's not going to force you to ball in, in uh, when you're getting double covered. And I thought there were some times when the Packers showed double teams before the snap and then they just moved to safety in the middle of the field. And then, you know, they knew Jimmy G wasn't going to look at him if he thought that there was going to be a pre-snap double team. And I think teams are going to do that to him throughout the, the the season as well. Show double teams and rotate away from it, and uh, we'll see if he actually sticks with uh, Devonte or goes back goes back to him to see if he's single covered. The Raiders don't have the quarterback to really force feed Adams the, the the way that he wants to. So what's the solution? Like, are they just going to give up here? Like, what's the what? What do the we? The solution think they need is to do? Jacoby Myers gets a you know goes for career yardage. <laughs> he is. He still, he still, he still can't score. <laughs> Obviously, Adams kind of 
certainly at least hinted at his frustration after the game. And how bad do you think it would have been had they lost that game? And how bad do you think this could get if if it continues in this direction? Yeah, they lost. I think it would have been nuclear. I think it would have been really, really bad. And even Max uh, Crosby hinted at that, like, because you know what, this is a must-win game. If, if we go if we go one and four, you know, sh- shit gets real. So I think. Um, they had to win this game, then only come to have hope for the rest of the season. But in Devontae's case, to kind of not uh, totally lose lose his stuff. So this offense, like, you know, obviously we're, we're still a few weeks away from the tra- trade deadline. But unless you see some improvement from this offensive line, like, it's like you got to at least make one move. I know we talked about it all offseason. Like, we kept thinking they were going to try to make an addition at a veteran guard. They never really did that. You know, right tackle has been a rotational spot for them between Jermaine Illuminor and Thayer, Thayer Mumford. And, but, you know, like we said, like the type of quarterback that Garoppolo is, if they can't run the ball, his offense is, is pretty much cooked. And, like, we haven't really seen any reason to believe that they're they're going to be able to run the ball as currently constructed. So, I guess at what point do you guys think it, it becomes a situation where you have to consider making some sort of move to to improve your personnel? I mean, I think they need two two guards. You know, we, we've talked about Van Rotten on this, this podcast, and I know his PFF grade is good, but... I mean, I just don't know why watching him and it kind of came into <laughs> came into fruition against the Packers when it was glaringly bad that uh, Van Rotten was a problem. And I think, you know, moving par on the center where I, where he really belongs is is the move. And you get two guard two guards around him and you get par in the center where I think he could be a plus starter. That's when this line's going to improve. But obviously that's difficult. People aren't just, you know, going to hand out off the linemen and Everybody else is looking for offensive line upgrades too. I think the probably the problem is I think the whole old line is regressive. I think that's not just I mean obviously some guys have been worse than others, but I think everyone's having the worst year than they had last year. So it's kind of I guess if you're other Raiders, your hope is like you know it's going to click at some point. Last year kind of overachieved. This year, this year maybe they'll at some point come together and play better as a unit. But um, I think it's hard to say one new piece is going to fix the whole the whole line. When the, I think the whole line has been has been bad this year. It seems like they developed an overconfidence in their line and in their coaching. I don't know what it was in the fact that they that they were decent last year. I mean, they weren't great. They were decent last year. They were a good run blocking team. They were not a great pass blocking team, but they, like we said a million times, they weren't the reason they went six and 11. And it, it seems like that developed, uh, you know, uh, probably too much confidence in the fact that, well, their kind of talking point was like, well, just continuity. Continuity is all you need, but like, you need talent, like, and you know, it, continuity is not enough when you you're talking about a bunch of guys who are just kind of at best, you know, they've got one above average player on that line in Colton Miller, and then I think everybody else is just an average at best NFL lineman. Yeah, I think it is a very confident slash almost cocky coaching staff, and I think they last year they thought, you know, we got these guys together, it worked out fine. Uh, if we upgrade bars to Van Rotten, then we'll be even better. And obviously, I'm not sure it has I'm probably not been an upgrade. I think they've probably been equally um as bad so i think that that kind of backfired and but yeah i just think and i'm sure still i'm sure they have confidence in mcdaniel's protection you know ability to draw plays and the o-line coach and i'm sure they feel they can get more out of this line than they have so far so i do think confidence is part of the problem as far as coaching staff and what they had last year what they can have again this year you know outside of van roten like i mean that that was really their only free agent signing on the offensive line and then you know I, i know they you know tried to make a move for Paris Johnson in the first round, but then they just didn't draft any offensive line in the entire draft. I know they signed a couple guys in undrafted free agency, you know, McClendon Curtis, who got signed away, and then Dalton Wagner, who was on IR for the year. Um, so they basically just 
didn't do anything, you know, and, I, and while the offensive line was decent, I think there was definitely a lot of room to improve. And I just didn't think that they had a lot of players that I would expect to make significant jumps in the current roles that they were asked, asked to play. So, yeah, it just seems like a, a mismanagement on their part. And, you know, we'll we'll see if these guys can, can turn it around just off of internal talent. But I don't know. Just based on what I've seen, it, it feels like they need at least one, you know, outside addition to kind of get his group a little bit of a jolt. All right. Well, transitioning on, yeah. Uh, so, somehow Bill Belichick, it voices in my head. Uh, talking about Jacoby Myers, and um, it is the reunion of Jacoby Myers against the Patriots. And uh, he was a guy that when he signed with the Raiders, uh, we saw what happened right after, he, shortly after he signed. The Patriots went out and signed Juju Smith-Schuster to the like, exact same deal that the Raiders gave gave him and uh you know his, his tweet after that you know cold world he was uh clearly a little bit annoyed that uh the Raiders that the uh, the Patriots did not offer him the same kind of deal that he ended up getting with the Raiders and uh obviously at this point it, it looks like a good thing for the Raiders bad thing for the Patriots uh what what are we looking forward to out of Jacoby Myers going up against his old team is uh, there some emotion still there no, according to Jacoby Myers, not. I mean, he's, he's maybe he's lying to us, but um, he really wouldn't give us any any fire, man. You know, I mean, his last tweet is still the response to Juju Smith Schuster getting his contract. So that's the last time he's tweeted. Period. So you know, I guess that's all we have to go off of. And obviously, I mean, we talked about this last week, Devontae. Like, like guys are are trying to perform in every single game. So I don't know that it's going to be a week where he's not fired up to play, but. Patriots have a, have a lot of issues going on, but beyond just Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean, Mac Jones seems to suck. Their offensive line sucks. Bill Belichick's on fire. The defense isn't that good. So, like, you know, one of many things wrong with the Patriots was their decision at, at receiver. I guess the moral of the story is only out of the ball backwards 30 yards. You might get, you might get cut. <laughs> Well, the Raiders can't rely on that this year because the guy who laddered the ball is on the Raiders now. So can't rely on that, you know, the late game. Horror, horror, and the other guy's not there either. The yeah. other guy's not around either. Yeah. So. yeah, not going to happen. So I do think one thing the Raiders are going to really miss this year against the Patriots is the deep ball. Because if you last game, they're doubling uh, Devontae Adams. They were bracketing Darren Wallard and they were leaving one-on-ones for Keelan Cole. And um, I forgot who else was it that got another, another deep ball, I think. Mac Hollins? Yeah, I think it was Mac Hollins. But the Patriots are going to give one-on-ones to your third, fourth guys. And they're going to play man coverage tight on them. And they're going to give you those one-on-ones. And Derek Carr took advantage of those last year late in the game. But is Garoppolo going to in this game? Trey Tucker might get an opportunity. Uh, Hunter Renfro might get an opportunity, but we've been saying that forever. Um, but he you know, really hasn't had a high target game quite yet. Trey Tucker was wide open on, on a play against the, the Packers on, I think it was the third and six early in the game. Uh, he got wide open on a fade. Um, Devontae Adams got doubled. Jacoby Myers got doubled. And Trey Tucker had a one-on-one free down sideline and Garoppolo couldn't see him. He got pressured uh, pretty quickly, but I thought he had a chance to get him the ball. You know, maybe they could take advantage of those one-on-ones with some tricky, like, underneath routes, but you want to be able to hit a shot on, on that type of coverage at least, you know, once or twice in this game. You know, we, we see what, like, we know what Garoppolo is at this point, like, in terms of his play style. Like, he's he's not, you know, going to be bombs away, you know, in terms of going over the top. And, you know, for some reason, like, I don't, I don't think he had, he's like average arm strength. I don't think he has, like, a weak arm, but for some reason he just can't connect on those deep balls or, or doesn't have the, the confidence to, to put it up there. And so, you know, and that's, that's kind of led to the passing offense being so stagnant. I mean, Garoppolo's completion percentage is really high, but like if all you're throwing is, 
short to intermediate routes and like defense knows it's, it's gonna this was coming eventually just gonna sit, sit on that the whole game and you know again like it just seems like this passing offense is, is going to be limited with with the way that he plays quarterback for him felt like mcdaniels was trolling us last game i mean first play of the game throws it to michael mayer uh first play of the next drive gets it to mayer gets the end around to tucker like ah they're, they're, they're getting their extra weapons involved and then back to nothing uh just all right let's try to try to run josh jacobs into the middle of the line and all that kind of stuff but for for a guy who you know people around the league still praise as as you know somebody who can really scheme up an offense it's it remains baffling how he's been unable to get these other weapons i mean you bring a guy like tucker in you know i think there there's that list out there of you know, the top 10 guys in terms of uh, next-gen stats and, you know, what miles per hour they've hit on the season. And it's like a whole list of Dolphins. And then Trey Tucker's the one, kind of one of the other guys uh, not on the Dolphins in the top 10 list. I mean, the guy has, you know, that electric world-class speed and they've gotten him the ball on a couple end arounds and that's about it. He was banged up a little last week. Yeah, like anything last week. So I don't think he didn't play as much as Paul was going to. But um, you're right, definitely. Need to get some more uh, some more deep shots, get him more involved. Andrew Carter, another guy with some some elite speed that should probably get the ball more often going forward. But yeah, they got to make teams pay for uh, for playing that the way they're playing against them. I will say, I think there are guys that are open on tape that Garoppolo hasn't hit because he hasn't been aggressive downfield. But also, that's a McDaniel decision to pay Garoppolo, so that's on him too. But I think there are opportunities on, on tape that the Raiders just haven't taken advantage of. Yeah, something that maybe is a, a way to, you know, obviously Trey Tucker's with speed, you know, you think of, of deep shots down the field, but also, you know, jet sweeps and plays that I don't know what exact number on it, but it seems like they haven't really run that many screen passes this year. Um, I think that was something we talked about last year as well. I mean, get him a couple screens, you know, see what he can do, get him, get him the ball in space and, and let him create, um, get him on the move, you know, some motions. Like it just seems like everything is super static with their offense right now. And, and, and it's not much movement to it. And, you know, like if Garoppolo can't throw the deep ball, like, I mean, you can't suddenly make him a great deep ball thrower, but I, I, I do think there's still other ways that they can get creative, more creative with their passing game. Cause it seems like everything's just too predictable for them right now. If you watch the Dolphins, I mean, every, you know, everyone's going to want to steal stuff from the Dolphins because of what they're putting up offensively. But it, they've got ten guys that have that electric speed. But you know, they're able to get the ball in those guys' hands without always having to be a deep ball. It's it's you know, it's quick passes. It's stuff where they get the ball out of Tua's hands quickly and let their playmakers make plays. And that's what I think we need to see more of. Will we see it? I guess we'll see. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Is Michael Mayer, is he starting to uh, t- to develop a little bit bigger role? I mean, it's they at least threw the ball to him three times in this game. He had two catches, 39 yards. Do we see some signs of, of him maybe being able to, to kind of carve out a bigger role? And Ted mentioned how the, uh, the Patriots are a team that are, are going to be very happy to let the third and fourth receivers get one-on-one coverage. We've talked about that he's, he's not a guy that, that has a whole lot of foot speed, but is he a guy that, that could take advantage of that this weekend? Yeah, I think so. I think he definitely showed uh, um, the upside, definitely the, the yak, the yard after catch, the big physical guy, hard to bring down uh, once he gets going. I think he has a good hands and can catch the ball in traffic. The question mark is, you know, how much separation can he, can he get from um, defenders? But um, clearly he showed enough last week to earn, I think, a bigger role going forward. And I think it can't hurt to give him some more targets and uh, help maybe create some more space for Devontae and maybe even the running game. But um yeah, I think he showed enough uh, last week to kind of earn uh, more touches going forward. One of these guys has to step up, whether it's Trey Tucker or Mayer or, or Renfro. Somebody's going to have to really have a big game against the Patriots. Nah, Renfro's uh, dead, man. Renfro, yeah. Renfro's dead. So he, <laughs> okay, cross, so it's got to be, gotta be one of the rookies then. It's got to be Tucker or, or, or Mayer. One of those guys needs a big game against the Patriots for them to score some points. Because they're not going to let uh, Meyer, uh, Myers beat them. He's not, they're not going to let Adams beat them. With McDaniel's also talking about Renfro when he said that horse is dead, we we, we beat him too much. I mean, it, it sucks. I feel bad for Hunter because obviously he worked hard and he had, he had a good training camp. He thought maybe he earned a bigger role, but clearly he hasn't. He's got what six, almost six catches on the year. And last week he had like uh, I want to say twenty snaps last week. So I just um, clearly it's not. I mean, like we talked about it all off season, they drafted Trey Tucker and they got DeAndre Carter and their slot guy Myers can play the slot. So uh, there's not really a role there to be had from at this point. I mean, it's. Uh, it is what it is. So I think, I mean, if anything, we might see more out of, you know, Tucker and, and Carter going forward than, than Renfro. But, um, yeah, I think he's, he's handling the best he can, but he's clearly not a part of the offense anymore. I mean, it's, we're, with, we're through week five, so I think there's enough evidence to say that he's not, um, who knows if he gets traded in a few weeks, but um, clearly not in their, in their plans. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be like, I don't know if there's one guy that's going to suddenly break out as like a dominant third option. Like, I think that's going to be something that, might be more of a rotational spot from week to week. I think it's just going to have to be more of a by-committee approach. Like, you don't have to give Trey Tucker 10 targets necessarily, but give him a few, give Michael Mayer a few, give DeAndre Carter a few. Like, you have to, like, give guys a little bit more volume. You, know, you can't just give a guy two two targets per game and expect them to have 60 yards, you know? I mean, like, they just haven't given a, a, a variety of guys opportunities enough to, like, get consistent and get into a groove. Like, like, like mayor said, you know, getting the ball early last game, you know, kind of gave him some juice. Like they aren't really giving guys much of a chance to do anything. So, yeah, I mean, this it's weird. It's weird. I, I definitely didn't expect this to be as, as stagnant as, as it's been so far this season. Our third long guy, Abdullah, he had a first down last week. So he made a big play. So that's, that's, that's nice. That's a big part of the offense. What do you think they'll do at right tackle this week? You know, last week it, Thayer Munford ended up playing 78% of the snaps. He got 50 of the 64 snaps. Uh, Jermaine Luminor only played 25% of the snaps, just 16. Uh, do, we, do we see that as kind of being a permanent change, that it might be, uh, be become Munford's job? 
I mean, I'm not an O-line expert, but it seems like they don't have a lot of confidence in Mayer in the passing game. More, I think he's better in the run game, so I think they don't really want to make that switch full-time. So I don't think they're going to rotate him like, more than they have been, but um, clearly neither one has played that great. I think if Mayer had played better, uh, uh, Mon- sorry, Munford, sorry, Mayer, <laughs> Thayer, Munford, Mayer, uh, Thayer. Anyway, uh, I'm babbling now, but if he had played better to this point, he would have won the job because I think Jermaine definitely gave him an opening uh, in, in training camp and even now. So if he hasn't won the job at this point, I think it also speaks speaks volumes. So um, yeah, that job is wide open. I think anyone anyone can have it at this point if uh, they play better. You know, the rotational thing, I know that obviously last season they, they were doing that at the start of the season to, you know, everybody, all the fan fans dismayed. But, you know, I feel like they got to pick one at, at one point. I, I don't know about the whole rotating one for run plays and one for pass plays. I don't know how, how that would go. So, you know, it's kind of interesting, though. I think McDaniels said that Illuminor got banged up and he's, he hasn't been on the injury report this week. So I think I think maybe that's a sign that maybe Munford might get a chance to to start this week. You could make it obvious, like you just every run play you put Mumford in, and then out of nowhere you just run a play action with them, and then you get the defense that way. It's all mind games for Josh. Blinnick is, Blinnick, Blinnick is beating pass party. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, that's <laughs> uh, it's not a. I mean, there's no great solution. I mean, but again, they're hoping that things click. They're hoping Jermaine starts to pick it up and play uh, as well as he did last year. And he wasn't great last year, but he was definitely solid. So, all I need is for him to be solid again this year, and that hasn't been the case. Uh, so far, if Mumford could play a little bit better, then maybe you could consider sliding Illuminor down to guard. That would take care of the rotten problem. And then, you know, Van Rotten problem. Sorry, the Van Rotten problem. You keep calling it Rot- Rotten. 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 Yeah, Rotten. Rotten. Get his name Rotin. right, man. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I'm getting angry uh, emails because he, he Ted is just stuck on it being rotten. Come on. God, man. Uh. Share your email address so everybody can uh, contact you. I didn't even realize you. I was saying it. I swear I did, was not doing it on purpose. No, was, you knew what you were doing. Don't, don't did lie. you apologize for the mispronunciation or for all your commentary about him? Just the mispronunciation, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> because slide wrote Roten Van Roten Van Roten down, you know, out to the bench, and then you could slide Luminor down to guard. I guess the good news for them is, is uh, they probably won't have to go against you know Matthew Udon this week, you know, since he's, he's currently injured, you know. So I mean, my favorite edge rusher, Flash Ludge. How are the Raiders otherwise looking health wise? Uh, Nate Hobbs still not practicing, is that right? Uh, but Jacorian Bennett limited out there on Thursday. I mean, I know they did not practice; they went with a, a walkthrough, basically as a way to keep your guys' prying eyes uh, away from watching them. But uh, what, what else? How are they looking health wise? Yeah, it seems like Hobbs is still going to be out, but things like Jacorian Bennett seems like he's going to be fine. I think he talked today to reporters, and he's uh, "quote unquote" limited as far as the um, estimation goes today. But I think he's back this week, so. Um, I would guess Hobbs is the one guy who won't play on Sunday. Yeah, and Devontae's still been a little banged up with his shoulder, but seems like he's going to play as well. So, yeah, Hobbs will probably be the only significant absence for them anyway. Obviously, it, it didn't become as big of a topic just because of the fact that the Raiders did win the game. But you know, we, we didn't set an over-under in this game for uh, for weird calls by uh josh mcdaniels but uh there certainly were a couple it would you look at both the end of the first half where he elects not to call a timeout and lets 40 seconds just waste away that um well they they drove to what a 52 yard field goal that uh ended up getting blocked 
And that extra 40 seconds may have been uh, been helpful to get a little bit closer. I mean, obviously, you get in range for a 52-yard field goal. You expect Carlson to make it, uh, although it, it was not his best game. He went only one of three on field goals. But then, end of the game, they are up 17-13, fourth and one. And, again, they go for the field goal that they miss. It's, you know, every statistical model out there is basically screaming, go for it, pick up the yard, put the game away. Um you know, they were able to get the play defensively that they needed to where it works out. But Josh McDaniels, it's hard to sometimes watch um, as he makes these decisions that luckily, again, it, it, it didn't backfire. And so he it's probably not anything that he's going to take to the bank and learn from. But what did we all think of, of those two decisions? Yeah, we've talked about it. I think it goes back to his lack of confidence in the in the offense. I think even when I asked him about the timeout or lack of timeout at the end of the first half, he kind of hemmed and hawed. And, but at the end, he said, you know what? And also, if we don't do what we want to do in offense, we give them the ball back, they have a lot of time left. So he's already thinking negatively about what may happen if the offense stalls again, which I'm sure is probably why he didn't go for it in the fourth down later on. So clearly he has, um, despite having you know uh, Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, didn't have uh, the confidence in his offense you got to have as, as a coach. And I think that probably, you know, again, boils down to the O-line. He just doesn't feel the O-line can get him pushing knees and forth and short and also on, on big plays. I mean, I, I kind of get not trusting the offense because they haven't been great. But at the same time, it's not like you have a top 10 elite defense that you can just hang your hat on. You have Jim Garoppolo. He's good at quarterback sneaks. I just feel you can't coach that scared and win. I mean, I feel like you can't get away with it if you have an elite defense, but you don't have elite defense. I think, you know, we, we talked about it. Best case scenario, you have a better than average defense, but you don't have this elite unit that's going to be able to get you stops, you know, 70, 80% of the time. So you have to take some risk. And he just has been unwilling to even take the risk that most coaches will take. Just the decision at the end of half, I thought was really bad. Let 40 seconds run off. You know, if you have the ball, you control the clock and you could control how to move a little bit better, but you just let 40 seconds go off and then you move the ball easily down, you know, the field, but you just run out of time because you didn't call that timeout. And then at the end of the game, you almost lose the game. That probably should have been a touchdown, but Jordan Love didn't see it in time and he had to throw it late. And I mean, Robertson made a great play, but, um, he, you know, Watson was open. You know, if maybe Watson knocked that pass down, they have, would have had a few more plays to potentially get into end zones. So these are bad decisions that uh, ba- and a bad process that ended with a good result this time. But I just don't think you get coach scared like this with a team that does not have that much talent to begin with. Yeah, I mean, offense stinks, and it seems like he knows the offense stinks, and that's that's dictating you know his aggressiveness in these these situations. Um, like we talked about with Brandon Staley earlier this year, like I don't I don't think going for it is inherently a good decision, like. If, if, you know, just going for it to go it, like if you're over 10, like it, it doesn't make make you a good decision maker, in my opinion. But it's ultimately on him, you know, for the offense um, being this way. I mean, he's the primary play caller. You know, he's the guy that, you know, is viewed as one of the best play callers in the league. Um, a lot of this offense is constructed in his image, even though, you know, obviously Dave Ziegler is the GM making the personnel decisions. But, you know, McDaniels is sort of the guide in hand. And so it still doesn't excuse him, but. You know, I can understand getting more conservative in these situations just based on, you know, how the offense is performing right now. I mean, you know, in those types of situations, like fourth and one, for example, like you probably want to run play, right? But like they can't run the ball. And he's getting, Josh Jacobs getting hit on average before he like even gets back to the line of scrimmage. So like how much faith do you have that, that you're going to get, you know, a yard or two yards on these 
plays where teams know that you're running the ball and, and that's what they're expecting. So they're in a tough spot. I don't, I don't really know what the answer is. That's, that's not my job. It was Josh McDaniels, but, you know, it doesn't excuse him. But I, I understand, you know, why he's getting conservative um, in, in some of these moments. Well, late in the first half when they ran out of time and they kicked that field goal, the cameras caught Mark Davis. It looked like he was saying asshole. I don't know if he was referring to McDaniels play calling or the chicken wings guy. Maybe didn't bring him the blue cheese. But uh, it's possible he's mad at Josh. It's possible Josh may hear about it after the game. So clearly he was looking I guess, at your Twitter feed. There's some frustration, yeah, exactly. So uh, clearly Mark is a little frustrated at something. And I, my guess is probably was uh, the way that half ended. So, um, yeah, I'm sure yeah, Josh gets a lot of feedback from above, and I'm sure there's a lot of feedback on some of his calls uh, the last few weeks. The problem is if, if, you're, if you're playing with a lack of confidence in your offense, like Deshaun said, that's your baby. Like, that's an indictment on you. If you, if you can't trust your offense with your hand-picked quarterback – that's an indictment on you, bro. Like, it's almost like you'd rather have him have that, like, false confidence in the offense. And, like, I'm going to call this because I know my offense can get it done. Because, like, that's why you're here. You're here because you're supposed to build this offense. And you you came in and you took over an offense that had some pretty good pieces and uh, and was handed, a, you know, a very good piece when they traded for Devontae Adams. And, like, dude, like, you should, should have a top 10 offense. Even a bad offense would convert third and fourth and one, maybe, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, maybe 48% of the time. I think the Raiders probably convert better than that. But the thing is, like, you're one in three. You know, you're not a team playing with house money. You have to gamble and take chances in certain situations. And he's coaching like he's coaching some 12 and one team with a, a, a elite defense. Cal Shanahan got away with a lot of these decisions and he had a really good, a really good defense and his team was winning. But you're one in three, you know, you got to take chances. I will say that, and I usually give Josh a hard time. I agree with you guys. you got to take more chances. But the game Monday night, Jordan Love was terrible. So I could definitely see a conservative approach. It's like, you know what, let's not give them any extra chances, and maybe the defense can carry us to a win, and I can, which it did. So I can I can kind of give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt on Monday because uh, the Packers aren't going to do much offensively. So I think you don't want to take too many chances, and maybe you think the, the conservative approach can actually work in that case. Yeah, for as bad as the Raiders' offense has been, I mean, that Packers were hard to watch. All these silly little, like, underhand sidearm screen passes that, you know, had no chance of going anywhere. I, I mean, that was that was probably as bad of a, an offensive game as I've seen all season. And uh, that's a good segue into the team that we're going to see on Sunday, the, the New England Patriots, who they might be able to surpass that the way they're playing lately. They've scored three points in their last two games, two worst losses in Bill Belichick's career coming uh, in the last two weeks. Uh, first against the Dallas Cowboys and then against uh, our old friend Derek Carr. Uh, 34 to nothing, I think, uh, shut out at home last week. This is not not a good team. And, uh, I mean, so it does set up, like we said earlier, for the Raiders' uh, defense to have another chance to shine. Yeah, you would hope so. I mean, Mac Jones looks like he's lost his confidence, in my opinion. Like, I, I think he was, you know, he had a pretty solid rookie year. But I think last year with Matt Patricia and, then you know, bleeding over in this year, it seems like the coaching staff has, has lost confidence, or at least Bill Belichick at least seems to – not think that highly of him, and, and I think that's bled over into his play. And he's he's giving the ball away a lot. Like obviously the Raiders are struggling with turnovers, but defense might keep that hot streak going this week, just based on what we've seen from the Patriots. I mean, none of their receivers can get open. Their their the offensive line isn't performing well, so they can't run the ball. So I mean, you know, based off of what we've seen from the defense, the Raiders' defense recently, you would you would think they would have a good game in this one. Um, you know, really, really more so the question is is whether this Raiders' offense can finally get something going you know I, I think the, the Patriots defense in terms of their stats like they're hurt a little bit just because 
their offense has given <laughs> given away so many points with pick sixes and fumble recoveries for touchdowns, but they're, they're still like an average, around a league average unit in, in most statistics. And so, and obviously Bill Belichick knows Josh McDaniels just about as well as, as anybody in the league. And so I'm sure he'll have a sound game plan. And so I think the bigger test was, will be how this Raiders offense can perform against a, a Patriots defense that you still have to have, you know, a certain level of respect for. Their offense has scored 18 points in the last three weeks, but they've given up 21 points. So um, that's pretty bad. Opportunity is there for the Raiders to crack 20 points, get a defensive score. With that in mind, all right, let's make some picks. Who uh, who wants to go first? Uh, all you all you suckers picked the Raiders to lose last week. Only one guy picked them to win. Who who wants to join uh, the winning trade? Again, you're forgetting the asterisk. Line. I get an asterisk because I said Aaron Jones is the fucking why he's not. Am I alarm? My bad. Yeah, I'll go first. I'm picking the Patriots. Um, wow. Mostly, be, mostly because... Uh, he loves Mac Jones. He's got some, some yeah. Mac Jones love. Yeah, the Charlie Jones thing will come... No, I'm not going to go... It's nothing to do with Mac Jones or Charlie Jones. I just think that um, the defense um, has looked better. I don't have total faith that they're going to shut down the Patriots this week. I think... Uh, wow. Who can they shut down? <laughs> I mean, Bill Belichick knows these guys pretty well. He knows Patrick Graham pretty well. I think he can figure out something. I think, and, and the offense is struggling, so I think it'll be a low-scoring game. I don't know. I just, um, I think it's a. I just don't have. I guess I'm not sold on the Raiders, so I think um, I'm gonna go for the upset. And I just think, and also it's more. I think yeah, I have these stupid picks every week for us and the point spread. I mean, the Patriots have lost by what seventy points the last two weeks, and they're three-point underdogs. To the Raiders on the road, which I think is pretty glaring as far as the lack of respect for the Raiders, and uh, maybe we'll see if that's deservedly so or not. But uh, I think Mac Jones won't be terrible this week. Uh, I think the offense for the Raiders will continue to struggle. So I uh, have the Raiders losing a close, close game. Probably uh, we'll say 2017. That's devastating. Uh, I'm gonna pick the Raiders. I, I think they're gonna. I got the Raiders 21 to 10. I think they get a convincing victory. Over the Patriots, they score twenty points. Um, I just—it's mostly just because I think this Patriots offense just can't do anything. I mean, they have—I believe two of their starters are playing through injuries right now on their offensive line. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster is in a concussion protocol right now. Um, he hasn't been good, but you know he's like one of their only like notable receivers, and it looks like he may not play in this one. Mac Jones has been pretty awful. They can't run the ball, so like. I just don't, I don't know where the points are. I guess Jimmy Garoppolo could throw a pick six or something to give give the Patriots twenty points, but I just don't see how they they get up there. So I think the Raiders win this one. It's probably not not the prettiest offensive performance for them, and we probably still have some questions about the offense coming out of this one. But I just don't have any faith in this, this Patriots offense. Can I just take under forty one this week? Forty one and a half. That's uh, it's a pretty safe under. You guys in these betting lines. This is real life. All right, uh, I've been going back and forth on what this. What is Dance? What is Dance to take? Since, since the guy who's sitting there in Vegas right now, like, yeah, his betting has nothing to do with Vegas. I've been going back and forth on this one. Um, I think I think the Raiders will win. I think we'll see a little bit of that Jimmy Garoppolo late game magic, and um, he'll he'll pull one out. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of faith in this Patriots offense as well, but we also have to consider that they played two really good defensive lines and uh, the Raiders don't have that level of talent on their defensive line aside from Max Crosby. I think the Raiders will pull, pull it out. Um, I'll say Raiders 17, Patriots 16. 
Uh, I'm going 24-17 Raiders. So uh, we're we're all betting that under on the 41 and a half, but uh, this one's uh, this one's going to make some people nervous uh, at at 24-17. One uh, one of the touchdowns comes on a, a defensive score. I think uh, Mac Jones will uh, will give him something. But uh, I'm going to change my pick. I want, I'm I'm going 24-20 because I want the overs. 24-20 Patriots. <laughs> oh, Vic wants some offense. Oh, they get twenty. They get twenty also, so that'll be a positive. Yeah. So they'll, they'll get oh, twenty points. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's what people will be talking about coming out. <laughs> no, so, so, yeah, so just twenty. We got twenty points. Just start writing the post game column right now, like yeah. just crazy them for hitting the twenty point mark, and uh, it'll be all dandy. I mean, people are killing Bill Belichick. If you ever hit him, and there ever is a spot to kind of get some of that back, I mean, you're going against your old guys, your proteges. You probably know him better than anybody else. So this is a good spot for Bill, I think. To to get a win and at least uh, stop some of the, the bleeding for a week. Bill Belichick, Raiders head coach, 2024. I'm going uh, defensive uh, advisor, defensive consultant is, will be his title. Senior assistant. You, you don't think he's going to try try to linger on somewhere to go break Don Chula's record? Nah, I can't see him. I don't know, man. I think he's tired while okay. this bullshit. He's 71 years old, man. Yeah. Also, go be with his dog that we always. I think, see. I think Mac Jones, yeah. a, Mac Jones, aging about twenty years. He's like all this. Uh, Pete Carroll's like seventy six. Pete Carroll's still in good shape, but he's like surfing still. He's just having the ball, drinking his coffee in Seattle. Belichick's got a few years left in him. You think he, with, with the Patriots or somewhere else? Either with the Patriots or somewhere else, somebody's gonna hire him if he if he does get fired. The Browns season goes down the, the toilet. Stefanski gets fired, and, and the Browns right their biggest wrong by going back and rehiring Bill Belichick. And uh, he goes like back to back five and 12 seasons. Or I can see him going to contender. Say if uh, Staley keeps screwing up in, in LA, I can see the Chargers going up for Belichick. I can see that. Ch- Chargers don't, Chargers aren't going to pay that for, for a coach. They're, they're going to pay a big salary for a coach. For Bill Belichick? You know, everyone wanted to connect them to, uh, Sean, to Payton, Sean Payton, yeah, and it was right. never going to happen. They're they're not going to. I mean, the reason they hired Staley is they got him on the cheap. So, well, that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. We'll be back, of course, next week. Uh, see if the Raiders can get to 500. Chance to get to 500 against the Patriots, then they've got the Bears coming up. So, uh, it is a friendly part of the schedule, and uh, we'll see if they can take advantage. All right, guys. Later. Adios. Matthew um, Udon, who you know, has 14 and a half sacks. Dietrich Wise rush, could rush yeah, from the inside. Udon noodles? Udon, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.